Good morning. morning. Welcome home. So glad you're here. Um, I know the place is packed. I know that you may be sitting next to creepy people, but we love everybody. So um, we are looking at we are <laughs> we are looking at us adding a second identical service. So um, there's just a lot of logistics with that, and as as that becomes available, we'll we'll be in touch. Um, so glad you're here. This is like uh, Thanksgiving dinner, and, and everybody you love shows up. So uh, I want you to, uh, I'm filled with joy, and I hope you are too. Uh, college lunch today. Uh, I want to thank everybody who has signed up and is preparing college lunch throughout the semester. If you have missed out on this blessing and you'd like to, we still have a couple of gaps, uh, openings, uh, for folks who want to do that late in the semester. Uh, the Shanklins are in the kitchen, and I say this loud because if you can hear me, I'd like you to open the door. Cliff and Jamie Shanklin, they're cooking in there. And can you, can you just like stick your heads out? They're setting up tables. Well, I just want you to give a hand to Cliff and Jamie. We praise God for them. As you know, as you know, they have 85 children of their own. Um, okay, like six or something. Um, and so this is a big deal that they would uh, sacrifice this, and we're so grateful. Um, uh, Ryan talked about life groups. We're getting ready uh, to launch some new ones. Uh, Tuesday of this week, Sheree and I, uh, she's in the nursery this morning, um, so we'll talk a little bit about her. Okay. Um, she and I are kicking off a couple's life group. Uh, if you're interested in being part of that, uh, we're going to be at our house at 215 Hartman Rocks Drive. Uh, you can uh, come join us uh, if you just want to check it out. If you, uh, we'd love to have you be part of that. Uh, that's Tuesday at uh, 7 p.m. Now, um, as Ryan Johnson was here talking about the offering and, and overwhelming poverty in Gunnison, which we are so excited about, and he talked about meeting the budget by the 31st, he knows there are only 30 days half September. Um, we're talking about October. Now, if God moves on you and you want to like, write a check for the whole amount, that's great uh, by the end of September, but uh, we're shooting for October, and that's what we're praying about, so I just wanted to make sure you were, you were clear with that. Uh, anyway, glad you're here. Philippians chapter 4. That's where you want to be. If you have a Bible, you want to open it to Philippians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there's probably one under the seat in front of you. Now, if you don't own a Bible, that's yours to keep if you'd like it. If you do and, and you take that, uh, it's stealing. And, and stealing's one of the big ten, right? So you don't want to do that. And then, like, stealing a Bible, I don't know. Um, let's just say I don't want to be standing next to you in a lightning storm, Okay. No, our God is, is loving and merciful. Okay, um, this is week three of our No Normal Life series. And what Jesus is calling us to is, is a life that transcends the ordinary. And we have to be willing, we said from the beginning, to be able to rebel against everything that we consider, that we have seen in society, that we have even seen in the church as normal because he's calling us to something such, so much more glorious. Now, this week is no normal thoughts. And uh, our thoughts are, are so important. They reveal a lot about us. And as I was preparing, I was thinking about um, when Tommy, our son, who turned 22 last week, um, when he was in eighth grade, we start, Shri and I started to think, you know, he's going to start thinking about colleges soon. And um, 
So here's what we thought. As we like take trips to visit family and stuff, we would like tour colleges in those towns because he grew up in Gunnison. So all he knows is Western and God bless Western, we love it, but that's all he knows, you know? So we were visiting my mom uh, who is a nun, but that's a, that's a different story. Um, in Virginia, in Vir- it's true, um, in Virginia, and she works at a small, uh, well, it's a medium-sized public college named Radford. So when we're out there, she took us around Radford University. And uh, later that day, uh, nearby is Virginia Tech. Uh, very different. See, as we toured Radford, uh, you get the feeling that the person who designed that campus was really in love with 1950s architecture. Um, for those of you born before that period, uh, and that's me, just in case you're wondering, um, it's a lot like the boxy stuff we used to make with Legos. Okay, so we saw that in the morning, and, and toward the evening, we were on Virginia Tech's campus kind of walking around. Very, very different. Hundreds years old, uh, huge kind of gothic, the stone buildings, the ivy-covered walls. And so um, we had dinner at my mom's house, and, and, and it's evening. I'm, I'm trying to take this quiet, teachable moment with my son. And I, and I said, Tommy, as you think about the things you've seen today, um, if you had to decide today between Radford or Virginia Tech, what do you think, uh, wh- which would be the school that, that you would choose between those two? And he, and he took a moment and was kind of thoughtful about it. He says, no doubt, Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech. And I said, what was it that made such an impression on you? And he said, Dad, the girls were smoking hot. <laughs> Good talk, son. Good talk. Um, so our thoughts reveal a lot about us. And things have changed a little bit since then. I'm grateful. They're very important. Our thoughts are very important. Jesus said in, in, in the first and greatest commandment when he was asked in Matthew twenty two thirty seven, he says, this is it. In, in a nutshell, this, this is the first and the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and, and with all your mind, with all your, with all your thoughts. And, and this worshiping God, with all our mind, with all our thoughts, I think is, is one of the most important, yet one of the most neglected parts, one of the most neglected keys to following Jesus Christ in the way he calls us to. And so a lot of us are losing battles that we could win. And a lot of us are not experiencing the, the supernatural, abundant life that he's calling us to. So it fits with this no normal life, that we would worship the Lord with all our thoughts, with all our mind, that he would be the Lord of our thoughts. That's what we're looking at. It's so important. And in the abundant, extraordinary, awesome life Jesus is in, inviting us to with him, he's offering to be Lord of our minds, Lord of our thoughts. And when we do that, when we do that, he will completely transform every area of our lives. If we, He will elevate our moods. He will fill our hearts with, with stupid joy and, and allow us to sense God's nearness and his goodness and his love and the, and the truth and depth of the gospel every moment of every day, regardless of our circumstances. Okay, there's the intro, and we're already running behind. Okay, so we're going to read the passage, we're going to pray, and then we're going to study it. Okay, Philippians 4, we're going to pick it up in verse 4, we'll go through 9, here we go, or 8 rather. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let's pray. Lord, um, you are so good to call to us right where we are. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask you to rain down upon us that you would open our eyes, that you would open our minds, that you would open our hearts and our ears to hear from you, to respond to you, and to be transformed by the power of your son, Jesus Christ, by his cross and his resurrection. Lord, I confess to you my sinfulness, and I wish my sins were not so many. Lord, uh, we bring before you every obstacle, every barrier, every distraction. We submit it to you. We ask you to have your way with us. And please, please, as we leave this place, let us leave here changed and transformed for your glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, there's so much here. We're gonna get through as much as we can. I just, I just don't want us to miss out on, on one drop of what, what God has for us here. Um, this is not just about thinking differently. Uh, this is the very, the very thoughts of Jesus Christ that, that Jesus is calling us to in his word. It is uh, as we enter into, as we grow in, as we experience the kingdom of God, these are kingdom minds. These are re- renewed and regenerated and redeemed minds. This is huge. This is not just, um, don't worry, be happy. Okay, you, you get it? It's, it's so much bigger than all of that. And so um, he wants to set our minds free, not just our behaviors. You know, so, so often when we, when we go to church, the message, and, and I pray it's not here, um, is moralism. More, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, do more of this, do more of this. He wants to transform our hearts and our minds. And from that, hearts and minds that love him fully, will flow everything else, everything else. Kathy Mask, this is what I'm thinking. You're here with us, praise God. New hip, new hip, praise God, yes. She's gonna be shaking her hip after the service if you wanna see. Okay, sorry, I got a little distracted, but that was a godly thing, and, and I, we're, I, we love you. We love you, we prayed for you, and, and you're here, and that's great. As we walk through life, too many of God's people are, are locked up in the prison, uh, the life-draining prison of our normal thoughts. And he's calling us to so much higher, so much better. Okay, uh, verse four, this is awesome. This is one of the most delightful commands you will ever come across in scripture. I mean, um, it would be insanely joyful to be able to keep the command in verse number four. 
100% of the time, uh, 100%, 100%. Um, take a look at it. It's amazing. Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice, rejoice. Now, now this is great. Relish that. Ah, that's so great. Now, how much, how much fun, how much joy would there be in fully, in fully obeying this command? It would be, it would be phenomenal. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And Paul wrote it twice. And it's not because he stutters. It's because he's, it's so important. It's so important. Rejoice in the Lord always. This means this transcends our circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord. He is enough. Jesus is enough. When things are good, Jesus is enough. When, when things are bad, Jesus is enough. When we're winning, Jesus is enough. When we're losing, Jesus is enough. When people who love surround us, Jesus is enough. When we're abandoned and alone and isolated, Jesus is enough. Rejoice in the Lord always. Did you know that was a command? Did you know that was a command? It is. To be always overflowing with joy in your mind, in your thoughts, in your way of life, in your hearts, with joy. 24-7 in Jesus. That's a command. How much does our God love us to give us a command as wonderful as this? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That's better than thou shalt eat the Ben and Jerry's now, Tommy. I, again, I will say eat the Ben and Jerry's now. As glorious as that would be, this is so much better. So much better, if you can believe it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Show of hands, who keeps this 100% of the time? 100% of the time. My hand's only up as an example. Okay, good, good, because lying is not good. Okay, good, good. Well, we, we, want, we want to move there. I just want to say this about God's commands, and we'll, we'll hit this every time we, we hit a command of God. Um, this rejoicing, this beautiful rejoicing command has something in common with every command you will ever find in Scripture. And here it is, that God is leading us into, lining us up with truth, joy, freedom, himself, not trying to take away our lives. Now, that is true for every command in the Bible, even the ones we wish weren't there. It's because he so loves us, he wants to line us up with the people he created us to be, with the way he wired the universe to work. So when we come across commands in Scripture, remember it has everything in common with this, that he's seeking your joy, your freedom, your life, your hope in him. That's it. So we're going to seek to enjoy and rejoice in and celebrate the reality of Jesus at all times in our thoughts and in our hearts. And as we grow in Jesus, as we walk together in these life groups, in these affirming, as, you know, and we said it last week, you know, none of us is going to get there alone. You know, we're, we're called to him. We're called together. We're called to go out, right? That's, that's, that's the whole call, to walk with Christ. So, so we're going to do this. We're going to experience this transformation. And, and some of us have this picture in our minds that as we mature in the faith, as we become older Christians, that we become stern and somber and, 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 and rigid people who look like they've been sucking on lemons, this is not true. This is not the plan. The longer we've been walking with Christ, we should be more and more joyful, more and more rejoicing in the Lord always. 
The happiest people you know ought to be people who've been walking with the Lord and growing in this year after year, day after day. Psalm 118, 24, I want you to take a look at it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Guess what? It's always this day. It's always this day, regardless of what's going on. God is so good. God is so great. Jesus is so wonderful that regardless of what's going on in our lives, that's still the best choice. That's still the only choice for life. But we got to rebel against all the normal thoughts. We have to embrace what he's calling us to. And yet we come to the end of ourselves and we're not there yet. Not not any hand was raised, not even mine, right? That we're doing this 100% of the time, that we're experiencing, we get glimpses, don't we? We get glimpses, but it's fleeting. And that raises the question, what is it about Jesus in the midst of my often complicated, broken, and occasionally lunatic life? Um, I wasn't talking about anybody specifically there. To be so joyful about. What is it about Jesus? That in the midst of the brokenness, there's so much to be joyful about. I'm glad you asked. The, The king of glory rescued me. We talked about it. We sang about it, right? The king of glory rescued me. How beautiful the blood flowed. Here's the story. It's the mid narrative. The king, in all his wisdom, in all his love, created a kingdom. It's an interesting kingdom. It was beautiful and it was perfect. And you have to be born into this kingdom. So our first parents, Adam and Eve, were born into the kingdom, but they believed the lie that life outside the kingdom of light that he had created was better. And so they immigrated into the kingdom of darkness. And since then, we've all been born. This is our heritage. This is our inheritance. This is our, this is our family tree. We've been born into the kingdom of darkness. And that broke the heart of the king so much that the king left his throne in glory to come down incognito in Jesus. He is Jesus, the creator king. And he said, in my kingdom, you've all committed treason, but I love you, and and so I've come. And the penalty for treason is death. And I want you with me, fully alive, fully forgiven, fully free. So, So here's what I'm saying to you. I want to take all those sentences of treason, all those sentences of death, I'd like you to let me put them on myself and let me pay it for you so that you can come home. And so he did that on the cross as our substitute for our sins. And he died. He paid the penalty of treason. And then he said, you can be reborn, born a second time into my kingdom of light where I will live beside you and within you. And I will work through you to go back out and tell people there's a chance to come home. The penalty's paid. You can be forgiven. Come home. And I'm coming again, this time without disguise. And I'm recreating a new heaven, a new earth, a new humanity. And I'm starting with you. That's the story. 
we talk a lot about inviting Jesus into our story. Here's the exciting part. He's inviting us into his. That's enough to rejoice in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of joy, and not get distracted about where our true joy is. That's the transformation of our minds. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. This is the day that the Lord has made and he is alive and active in it. And so if we focus on that, if our minds are transformed by that, every area of our life will be changed. That's enough to be excited about. Okay, verse five. That was just verse four. Here we go. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Okay, in short, here's what it means. Don't be a creepy, scary Christian. Okay, the word for reasonableness here uh, is often translated gentleness. Gentleness, okay, so as we go back out, it's with grace, it's with love, it's with truth, and, and we're not like that, that jacked up pastor in Florida who, who, who wants to burn Korans. And, and, and that's, that's not, that, you know, we, do, we don't want to be that, that, that creepy, scary Christian that scares people away from Jesus. Without compromise, you just don't have to be creepy. Let your reasonableness be known to everybody. I, I, you know, have mercy on him because he's probably just upset um, that his parents made him go to one of those Christian camps that makes you burn all your Metallica CDs and turn over your DVD of The Hangover. But so, but it's not, it's, it's not about that. It's, a, it's about transformed hearts and transformed minds that, transforms all of our behavior, all of our appetites, all of our desires. So we can do all that external stuff and some of that external stuff we ought to do. We really ought to, to live holy lives. But we can do all those things and think that our hearts and our minds are transformed and they may not be. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And the verse five finishes out. It says, the Lord is at hand. This could be its own message. And and when I'm done, you you may think it is. Uh, But here it is. The father is over you. The son is beside you and reigning for you. The spirit is within you if you belong to Jesus Christ. The Lord is at hand. And the word in the Greek is so rich at hand. It is angus. That's, that's the word, and it means three things. And I want us to understand the Lord is at hand in, in the fullness of, of the scripture. And, and angus means three things. It means near positionally. It means right there, right next to us, closer than our next breath. The Lord is near. He is not removed. He does dwell in an inapproachable light, but he is near to those who who cry out to him, he is near. So it's positionally, it's physical, okay? Angus has a second meaning, and that means accessible. He is accessible, available, reachable, easy to get to. God is not only near you, but you have his attention. He's not standing next to you and ignoring you with his earbuds in, rocking out to Kesha, your love is my drug. I guarantee he's not doing that. He is near you physically to be near you accessibly because he wants you to know you have his attention. 
He is ready to respond. He is there. He is accessible. He is, he is there. And, and angus even goes further to a third meaning, which also means nearness in terms of time. It means the time of God in your life is imminent. The Lord is at hand. He is not only positionally there. He is not only accessibly there. He is ready to act. Now, I don't know if any of you are fans of UFC MMA fighting, but if you are, Stay with me, because it's, it's an awesome thing. But if you watch Bruce Buffer, the announcer, at the end, right before the main event, has this thing that he says that sends chills up and down my spine as he's ready to introduce the people that you've been waiting all night to see fight and not all the boring things that happened before then. And if you know it, say it with me. He gets up, and before, he, I mean, he's got this pent-up energy, right? And he says, ladies and gentlemen... It's time! Nobody? Nobody? Okay, amen, brother. God is standing near you. If you belong to him within you, accessibly saying, it's time. It's time. And if we, if we let our minds be transformed with that reality, we will know the truth and the depth of the Lord is at hand. This is the day. It's time. It's time. Fix your thoughts on that. And, and here's the good. God is more concerned with the things that affect you than you are, right? So that leads us to verse six, which is incredible promise. It's, it's, the, it's the worry-free mind, the worry-free life. Let's take a look at it. Verse six. Here we are. Do not be anxious about what? Say with me, anything, but in what? Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be, be made known to God. Stop there. Okay. That good news, that is good news for us. We might be the most worried generation of people that God ever put on this planet. We worry about our friendships, our finances, our family, our future, our safety, our plans, our now, our yesterday. I know a woman <laughs> who every time we have a book, we have a book of diagnose your own disease. One day, I'm going to meet the doctor who wrote this and punch him in the throat. Okay, and then ask for forgiveness. I, of course, I'm not fully sanctified yet. But anytime there is an ache, a pain, a cough, a sneeze, a hiccup, a broken nail, somebody would leaf through the book and diagnose and find out that in fact she's dying from something incurable and hard to pronounce. We need not worry. We need not worry. What's so bad about worry? Because it's the opposite of faith. The opposite of faith is not only doubt, it's worry. It's saying this possibility is bigger than my God. It's living as if there was not a Jesus who loves me. He can't handle it. He doesn't know it. And he's going to push me through this alone. That's worry. So he's saying, don't be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make your requests known to God. 
So when worry comes knocking on your mind, we're going to answer it with prayer, with faith. We're going to be praying constantly as we be, breathe, you know, even as we breathe. And people say, I, how am I supposed to pray throughout the day, all the time, constantly, bring everything to God in prayer? How am I supposed to lead a normal life? Well, who said you were supposed to lead a normal life? That's what this whole series is about. No normal lives allowed, Right? We're going to pray even as we breathe in everything. We're going to ask him about everything. And we're going to do it with thanksgiving. And we're going to let our requests be made known to God. We're going to do it all. We're going to do it all. We're going to pray as we breathe. And we're going to grow in that. And that's how he's going to continue to transform our minds. We're going to have a never-ending conversation with Jesus, even as we talk to other people, even as we go about our daily tasks, even as we're at jobs and in school, we're going to have this always conversation. How is that possible? Let me put it in terms that some of you who are between the ages of 13 and 28 will understand better. Pray as often as you text. I go to dinner with my kids, right? And they're talking to me, but they're... I said, who's having dinner with us? <laughs> Pray as often as you text. Pray as often as you update your status. Oh, the Activia is working. That's too much information. <laughs> Pray. There's nothing... <laughs> Give thanks. Always, in everything, especially when it makes absolutely no earthly sense to do it. Pray with thanksgiving, even when, especially when, it makes absolutely no sense to do it. I pick on Tommy um, this week. He was four. We lived in San Antonio. It that's a preview of what hell is like, okay? A beautiful city, but it's hot and humid, especially when you live in a late model uh, you, Honda Civic. You're driving in that, and, and the heat and the humidity, and your air condition is it's just like, you know? It's not working really good. He's still at the weight where he has to be in the back seat, in the middle, in the, in the car seat, and I'm just, you know, I had a hard day at work, and taking him on errands, and I should be, like, joyful, Right? But my visor had been ripped off, and I had left my sunglasses at home. And we're driving into the sun, which is now eight times larger than normal, and focused right through my windshield. And I'm thinking, oh, this day, this day. And then this voice comes from the back seat. Hey, Dad! Which he often said. Hey, Dad! And I look back as we're stuck in traffic. Look at that beautiful sunset that God gave us to enjoy. Oh, really? Same situation. Redeemed thoughts, unredeemed thoughts can transform everything. Pray with thanksgiving. Pray with thanksgiving. Tommy is 22 now. He's a senior at Wheaton outside Chicago. He's a football player. This is his final season, and he's been blessed. Um, 
his second season really starting, and, and, and he's doing well. Um, he has a beautiful friend named Connor. Connor is from Florida, has been his roommate for the past couple of years, and Connor um, is built like a fire hydrant. I mean, this, he's a strong kid, and uh, he plays center, okay? And he was great. He is great. Uh, in, in his large high school in Florida, very decorated student-athlete. Um, one of the things that was unfortunate in Connor's case is he is a great center, but he had the misfortune, if you will, of being in the same class as Nick Biggie. Nick is also one of their friends, but Nick is one of the best centers who has ever played football for the college, ever. So Connor, who is a godly man, works out in season, out of season, seldom if ever, snaps the ball. Seldom if ever will get in the game. Whole seasons will go by. Connor lives a life, lives a mind that is transformed by God. And he's always thankful. This decorated athlete who never sees the light of a game. When he sees the offense coming off the field, he kneels. And as he welcomes his teammates back to the sidelines, he encourages them and he takes their cleats in his hand and he cleans them. Not because anybody has asked him to. That's not his job. But he's thankful. He's thankful. And I said, Tommy, you hang on to a friend like that. He'll show you the gospel. When all of your dreams have turned to dust, Jesus is enough. And he's thankful even in the midst of that. And when you and I do that, here's the payoff. Here's the promise, verse 7. It is awesome. Here's a promise. And the peace of God, this is, this is peace of mind, true peace of mind. Many people refer to it, never experience it. This is it. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which means it's inconceivable. In your wildest dreams, you never imagined this peace, this, this outpouring of peace on your heart and your mind. The peace of God, which is, surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When I am all alone and I'm isolated and I am love starved. When you are uncertain about the future and you're dreading it. When the winds of struggle and difficulty are blowing all around you. When you are in so deep, you are using all your might to tread water so your next breath will be one of air and not water. Some of you are there. When your friends fail you and those closest to you betray you. When everything you touch seems to disintegrate. The peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And if the Holy Spirit can do that in the worst of times, you can't even fathom in your wildest imagination what he can do in the best of times. That's the transformed mind. Okay, here's here's the difficult part. Uh, Verse 8 is going to have to wait. We're not going to get to it. Um, But we have to land this plane, right? So here we go. Um, Here's the difficult part. Many of the messages, many of the sermons you'll hear on on a transformed mind will end here because this is the tough part. Um, It's not the whole gospel to stop here because the gospel is not do better. The gospel is not try harder. The gospel is coming to the end of yourself and saying, I can't. I can't. I see what you've called me to. I've tried every way I know how. And I'm falling way short. I get glimpses, but this is not my life. Have mercy on me. That's the gospel. Otherwise, it's uh, don't worry, be happy. Don't stress, don't stress, don't stress. Isn't that a good song? So here it is. Why do we even at our best only get a glimpse, a taste of this way of thinking? It's fleeting. But if you've ever thought, if I could just capture this for a time, for a season, for my whole life, everything would be different. If I could take this moment where my thoughts are fixed on Jesus and the joy is overflowing. If I could just capture this, everything would change and it would. Why can't it? Why isn't it? First of all, the incredible promise that we just received in verse 7 is conditional. If you'd bring up 4 through 7 again, Ryan. Here's what it is. If you rejoice in the Lord always, if you let your reasonableness be known to everyone, if you're mindful all the time that the Lord is at hand, it goes on. If you are not anxious for anything, but if you are in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And it is not do better, do better, do better. It's designed to get you to the point where you say, I can't. That's a great deal but I can't meet it. At that moment, you and I are closer apprehending it than we have ever been because that's the message of the cross. To have the thoughts of Christ, you and I must, here we are, we must be in Christ fully. And I said our thoughts reveal who we are. And we can't do it by trying harder. We need transformation. Romans 8, 5 through 8 Here it is. For those who live according to their flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And it goes on in verse 6 to say, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 
the tough part, the part that often gets left out, is the truth of verse 7, that all of us, to one degree or another, whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or you're just here checking out his claims and, and you're living in that other kingdom of darkness, our minds, to one degree or another, are hostile to God because of our unwillingness to submit to him. We all have different symptoms of the same disease, and the cure for all of us is the same. We here at Bethany believe that repentance is one of the most beautiful words we've ever heard because it means keep coming back, keep doing U-turns, keep coming to the foot of the cross. That's what we do. And the leadership wants to be leading you in that. I'm the most broken of anybody here. And what that means is I've worn it a path between the cross and myself. And, and I'm inviting you to come with me. Come with me. Because trying harder doesn't work. It was never the plan. If try harder got it done, Jesus could have stayed home. But he didn't. So what does it mean to have these minds fixed on the flesh our self, our stuff, satisfying our cravings, our desires, our picture of what our life should be like. Here's the bottom line. We think most about what we love the most. Going all the way back to the beginning, our thoughts reveal a lot about us. And we need to be transformed. Jesus died to set us free from a lot of the thoughts that we dwell on. A lot of the normal, everyday thoughts. He wants to give us his mind, the kingdom mind. Can't get there by trying harder, but by falling at his feet and crying out, I can't, but you can. Let's do it. Let's pray.